Hello and welcome to another weekly podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. If you're in the Mankato area, join us every Sunday morning at 10.15 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to learn more, visit us at MankatoHilltop.org. Best of all, God is with us. Our opening scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Our scripture reading this morning It's not a typical Easter scripture reading. It actually comes uh, from the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount. It's often called the Beatitudes, but it's appropriate for Easter Sunday as well. So let's turn to that right now. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to speak to them, speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Holy Scripture. I want to I give you just a very simple message and something that um, I think is really important for all of us here. And it's, I'm going to do this with a visual aid. And so uh, I'm not going to reference the message of the sermon, the, the Scripture verses there. But I want to give you a clear and accurate presentation of the gospel this morning. And actually, I'm going to do that by uh, offering you a contrast. And this is called the gospel in chairs. 
And so I have these visual aids here. If you're listening uh, online or if you're listening to the podcast later, you might want to go check out our YouTube page so that you can hear this and see the visual aids of this. And this is, this is not mine. It comes from Father Anthony Carbo, who is an Orthodox priest. And he created this as a visual way to understand what happens on Easter, the gospel message, the good news. And I'm going to give you two versions. The first version is called the legal model. And the legal model, in the legal model, the gospel is like set up in a courtroom. And God is a judge. Sin is a law-breaking behavior that needs to be punished. And so in the legal model, God punishes the sinfulness of humanity for all eternity. However, the good news is Jesus comes into our midst, takes that punishment instead of us. And then if we believe in that, that's the gospel good news. That's what leads to eternal life. That's the first way. The second way is called the restorative model. Now, you probably are very familiar with the first one, the legal model. If you've grown up in the American church before, you have heard this message before. And so I want to contrast that with a message that you maybe haven't heard, the restorative model. I think the restorative model is much more biblical. So in the restorative model, the setting is not a courtroom. The setting is a hospital. Sin is not a law-breaking behavior. It's an infection. It's a disease. It leads to death. And we're all infected by that. And so you can't throw someone in jail until their flu gets better. It doesn't work like that. We need something different. And in this model, God is not a judge. God is the great physician. He takes on our humanity to come and heal us so that we can be healed from sin. Okay, this is called the gospel in chairs. It's, I'm going to do the first one, the legal model, first. And then we'll talk about it, and then I'll show you the second model, okay? Here we go. The legal model, the gospel in chairs. It starts out like this. In the beginning was God. God created humanity, Adam and Eve. In his image, he created them, set them in the garden. They were created good and were to image God's likeness in the world. But something tragic happened. They sinned. They plucked the apple they ate. And in so doing, they are now separated from God. Because God is holy, righteous, and just, God cannot look upon sin. So God is not able to look upon them, cast them out, and then original sin enters the world. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, people were turning to God and saying, God, I want to live in relationship with you. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, King David, the prophets, all of them are saying, God, please, we want to live in relationship to you. And God says, okay, I can do that. In fact, let's set up a covenant together. And so God sets up a covenant with his people. God sends laws, the Ten Commandments, and other times to come and say, here, here's how to do it. Live this way. But because of sinfulness, and because as much as we want to, all the people in the Old Testament, all of the prophets, all of those people we talked about end up turning away from God because original sin has affected them. And because God is so holy, righteous, and just... God cannot look upon sin, God ends up turning against them as well. Ah, but this is a problem. So God sends his very own son into the world to be God's image and likeness in the world, to live in perfect relationship with God. 
So Jesus enters the world. He is able to live in perfect relationship with God. And God turns to Jesus and says, peace be with you. And so they live in this harmonious relationship. But then the terrible thing happens. Humanity, based on pride and sinfulness, what do they do? They kill Jesus. And what does Jesus say as he's dying on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, God takes all of the sins of humanity and places them on Jesus. And he dies the death that we were supposed to die. And because God is so holy, righteous, and just, God turns his back on Good Friday to Jesus. But it's an unjust judgment. This is a court of law. Jesus never sinned. He is not supposed to be punished. And so God raises him from the dead, gives him new life to live in right relationship with God. And God turns back to Jesus. And then in this moment, the gospel is, come and believe what Jesus did for you. So that you can put on Jesus, he will be your, protect- he will be your protection and he will save you from sin. And so to believe in that is to believe the gospel in the legal model. And if you don't, you have turned from God because of our sinfulness, and God turns his back on us. That's the legal model. I got all kinds of problems with the legal model, friends, and it's this right here. God and humanity at odds with one another This doesn't look right. This doesn't feel right. If you've grown up in the church before, you've probably heard this message of the gospel before. But I got lots of problems with it because it doesn't seem like God is loving. It seems like he's just, but it doesn't seem like he's loving. And who would want to worship a God like that that turns his back on humanity? That doesn't sound like the God that we want to worship. This gospel is really good at making one thing. (laughs) Atheists. People who don't believe in God. Now you would think people would want to do this, but here's, here's three main problems. In this model, salvation is not necessarily up to Jesus. It's our doing. It's our choice. But that's not how salvation works. Salvation isn't up to us. If it's up to us, then it's works righteousness, and that's not correct. Then it's not a grace. Then it's not what God does. If it's dependent upon me turning and doing something, then by definition, love is conditional. But I believe we serve an unconditional loving God. That's one problem I see. Another problem is it pits humanity and Jesus against each other like this, except for I never see that in the Bible. Jesus, what did he do? He was known for walking right into sinners' houses and eating with them. He was always showing up to all the wrong people of the day and bringing healing and hope and and restoration. The Apostle Paul said, God was reconciling the world to himself so that he would not count their sins against them. And that's exactly how Jesus lived. And then thirdly, somehow it seems to put Jesus at odds with God. But that doesn't make sense because God is Jesus. Jesus is God. They have the same will. And it's not so much that Jesus saves us from our sin, but protects us from the will of the Father. That doesn't make sense either. 
So Jesus and God must be united in their will, and in this way of doing it, this legal model, it seems like they are at odds with one another. And in fact, sinfulness is still there. We just put on Jesus. Sinfulness is still there. It's just kind of shielding us and protecting us. That doesn't seem right. So if right now you're going like, "Mm, he's got a good point. (laughs) Let me show you a different way. And this is called the restorative model. It starts out very much in the same way. In the beginning was God. God created humanity, Adam and Eve. He set them in the garden. They are created in his image and likeness. They are to bear his image and witness in the world. But then something tragic happens. They sin. They pluck the apple. They eat. And in so doing, they become alienated from God. When they sin, they experience full and true Futility and death. And now they are on the road to death. So what does God do in this situation? Here's where it differs now. God shows up and he's like, hey, what you doing? Uh, What's with the fig leaf bikini? Um, I thought everything was okay here. And they're like, well, we plucked the apple and this snake told us we were naked. Who did that? What's going on? And God shows up and meets them in that and offers healing and hope and reconciliation to them. All throughout the Old Testament, all of the prophets, all of the fathers of the church, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, they all have this same experience with God. They turn, but God meets them. Let me just show you one, one of them, Moses, okay? God says, I hear the plight of my people. They are slaves in Egypt. Hey, Moses, let's go. We're going to do something about that. What does Moses do? Uh, No, I I think I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to go over here. Oops, I just accidentally killed an Egyptian. Now I'm going to run and I'm going to flee. What does God do? He does not turn his back on Moses. (laughs) He goes running out in the wilderness into a shrubbery that lights on fire. Hey, Moses, what are you doing? Uh, trying to run from you? (laughs) I heard about these people in Egypt, and that is still my mission. Come on, let's go. Take off these sandals. We're going to go that way, back to Egypt, because I got a plan for Pharaoh. And all throughout the Old Testament, when someone runs away from God, God comes and meets them in that moment. Now, this is a problem. So what God does is he sends his very own son, Jesus, into the world, fully human and fully divine. Jesus comes into the world to bear God's image, to live in right relationship with God. He takes on all of our humanity. Why? So that he can heal it. Because what he takes on is what he heals and restores. The restorative model. So let me tell you how that goes. You know some of these stories. There's this woman, she's been divorced once, nope, twice, nope, three times, nope, four, nope, five, yep, five times. And the man she's living with right now is not her husband. Jesus comes walking along to that well where she was. He was like, hey, I know about your pain and brokenness. And she says, this man knows everything about me. What's going on? I want new life. And he says, I got it. It's called living water. Let me show you how. Offers her the living water. And she goes healed, praising God from that moment. There's this guy. 
He is a tax collector. He has betrayed his own people. He's working for the foreign government, the Romans. He's stealing money left and right. He's completely alienated. And what happens? Here's Jesus. He's walking down the road. And he sees this guy. He's like, hey, get down from the tree, Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house today for lunch. And bring your friends. And what happens in that moment? God meets Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' heart is strangely transformed. He gives back the money he had stolen. And he completely switches his life around. Healing and restoration has come to him. There's this woman... She's been caught in the very act of adultery. Where's the guy? It's a setup. This woman has been caught. All the people are standing outside the temple courts. They have their stones. They are ready to kill her because that's what the law demands. And here comes Jesus, meets this woman, and he says to all the guys that are just ready to throw that stone, he's like, okay, whoever doesn't have any sin, you can cast the first stone. And what happens? They all drop their rocks and go go their own way. And Jesus says to her, hey, where did all your accusers go? And she says, I don't have any. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now this happens over and over, and we could keep going through example and example in the New Testament, where God shows up in the midst, healing the man with the legion of demons, healing the blind man, healing the person who was lowered down through the roof to get access to Jesus over and over and over, except humanity doesn't like this. They end up actually saying, we need to do something about this. So what happens? They kill Jesus. And what does Jesus say as he's dying on the cross? Father, Forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And when humanity dies and falls away, Jesus is right there, because God enters the grave. We have been running and running and running away from God, and he keeps showing up and showing up and showing up. And now when we think we can finally be completely separated in death, no, even God is there because he enters into death and meets us there. Ah, but he said, I am the resurrection and I am life. Those who believe in me will have eternal life. I hold the keys of hell and death. What's he going to do with those keys? Open the door. And so on Easter Sunday, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are also celebrating the resurrection of our own bodies in our death. We are celebrating the eternal life that comes to us in God in Christ. Because what does the Bible say? His mercy endures for? Forever. His loving kindness endures for? Forever. And so, even in this life, there are moments where we do turn away. In fact, maybe you're in one of those moments right now, and you're like, you know, I don't believe this whole love stuff. These pastors talking about love and God and new life. and I don't know. And you know what? When you're running away, God's like, hey, what you doing? (laughs) Grandma brought you to church, didn't she? (laughs) I'm ready to meet you where you're at. And you know... We can continue to turn away, 
Maybe we can continue leave eternal turn away for eternity. We can always say no to love. Because if love is freely chosen, we have the option to say yes or no, except for we can always choose no. And you know what? Maybe that's what hell feels like, eternally saying no to love in this world. But when we say yes to love, God is already there. He was on both sides of the equation. He was ready to meet us when we said no. He was ready to meet us when he said yes. And here's the thing. For this Easter Sunday, God will never, never turn his back on you. Amen. For the gospel message this day is that God came into the world to heal us of our sinfulness and he is chasing us down. He is coming after us and we love to run. We love to pretend like, la, 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 I'm not listening, God. But it's in those moments when that happens where Jesus shows right up and says, hiya, I missed ya, here I am. And for that, I give God thanks and praise for good news. Amen. Peace be with you. Thanks for listening to another podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. Don't forget to visit us online at MankatoHilltop.org.